Well, hello and welcome to today's episode of The Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Sitting to my left is my father, Dr. Joel Hunter. That's right. Hello, Dad. We are the doctors, old and young, um, and physician and pastor. Mm-hmm. Wise and wide-eyed. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> that's, maybe that's what we'll go with. <laughs> Wise and wide-eyed. Uh, so uh, today, uh, you were you were saying that there's there's some sort of uh, there's some sort of very special this anniversary. This is today. one of the greatest national days on July thirteenth in nineteen thirty seven. Crispy Cream Donuts is founded. Ah, in 1937. Oh, I would not have guessed I it's wouldn't that have old. either. That's like right at the end of the Depression. Yeah. They, I guess they needed a sugar they, they rush. They were, and that's uh, they didn't even have the letter C back then. They, no. So they spelled the Chris, all K's. <laughs> that's right. Explains the it mystery. Way back, <laughs> way back. Invented by a Kentuckian. Tar, times were hard. The letter Vernon C. Rudolph. Oh, wait. The Krispy Kreme was. Gotcha. Yes. Uh, Vernon. Vernon Rudolph invented the Krispy Kreme. You know, I don't know if they're the only people that do it, but they're the only people famous for it. They have the, uh, they've got that hot and ready or hot and now or something like that. Like when they are. Oh, ba- I watch yeah. for it down 1792 yeah, when, when I'm driving when down. Ba- <laughs> and, I, and it tempts me every time. Yeah, that's really great. My hope is that someone right now is in their car listening to this and is if passing by one and seeing that sign, I'm like, well, it's a sign. I've got to go in. It's meant to be. But yeah, there there are not, I'm not even a huge donut guy, but there are not there are not a lot of things in this world that taste better than a, a brand new Krispy oh Kreme donut. Oh, where, my goodness. Because they're all like, it just like disappears in your mouth. Oh, uh, my. You, well, your, your mother... You must have gotten that from your mother because she um, doesn't eat donuts. You know, mm-hmm. she just doesn't desire them. And I, and I just think, like, that's a spiritual gift because I love donuts and I love Krispy Kreme. Yeah. And uh, and you're right. You can, you can, if you drive through this, and I've done it, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fessing up here. You know, I'll get a half a dozen fresh donuts. I mean, they're warm, <laughs> you know. And I was thinking, I'm just going to eat two of these, you know? And I never. Holy I like, cow. I like that your starting number is two. I know. <laughs> You're like, I'm going to be real, real laid back. I'm going to hold back. I'm only going to eat two. <laughs> and then then they all go away. And then, uh, yeah, that that will hit your uh, that'll hit your system really hard. Oh, you, my it's, goodness. That's one step, uh, one step down from just injecting glucose directly. What happens to into your system your, when, you, when you eat that much sugar? Uh, it goes like this. It goes, ah. <laughs> oh gosh! What do I do? So you're, you, if you have too much sugar in your blood, in in your bloodstream, um, it is uh, it's pretty toxic to have uh, to have sugar that that's high. You're, you're uh, I mean, you know, if you've ever seen a diabetic person uh, have to go to the ER, uh, it's uh, it, it's when you realize like, oh, it's real toxic, uh, and it's not like it's like it has to be twenty times higher. If your blood sugar gets to be, depending on, you know, how much of a shock your system can take, uh, four or five times higher than it should be, uh, then you go into, you know, ketoacidosis. What, and you, what's the symptom? Um, you're, uh, you get really dizzy and you're, uh, it's, it's your, uh, your breathing uh, becomes uh, labored and you, and you die. You go into a coma and die if it's not treated. Uh, your, your heart's not meant to beat under those conditions. Um, and... Uh, and so, but there's there's enough sugar in one donut to to 
throw, you know, the amount of sugar in your blood through the roof. Uh, and so, and that's true also in six donuts. And, Apparently and, I'm so sort of Spartan because yeah, well, I just felt good. Yeah, it's the speed of which, uh, the speed at which your body can shoot out tons of insulin. So oh, it has okay. to... Has to send out tons of insulin. So uh, the the islets of Langerhans, which are uh, the the colorfully named uh, little patches of cells on your pancreas, their job is to release insulin, and they do. And insulin goes uh, around and, and activates all these receptors on your cells, uh, mostly specifically muscle cells, and it sucks up all the sugar, gets rid of all the sugar, and uh, and says, "Hey, we got to turn this into uh, glycogen, or more commonly, fat." Uh, and so it does that. And uh, what happens though is you get it's you shoot up your body's at this compensatory thing, you know. So it's it's way too much sugar. So it's got to go. Whoa, we got to do tons of insulin, and then the insulin's still around after all the sugar's gone, and then you have this huge sugar crash, which is why you can do that and be starving later because your blood sugar's low oh, okay. uh, because it you know throws it up and down. So that's called the glycemic index: how quickly your body you know uh, turns it into sugar, and then how quickly it clears it. Uh, and that's why the reason that there's so much. Uh, I don't know, obesity uh, is, is yeah, because... Well, for, yeah, for lack of a better yeah, term. Uh, is because when you when you constantly are exposing yourself to refined sugar, which is in places that aren't necessarily obvious, you know, but but bread is one of the most, uh, one of the biggest offenders. Uh, when there's places where there's refined sugar, juices, Coke, is, is sodas in general is a huge one. Uh, your body's constantly producing these huge insulin rush, huge oh, insulin okay. rush, huge insulin rush, and it's got to keep doing that. And so eventually you develop insulin resistance because if your body sees enough of anything, oh. then it says, ah, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, and so you need to have a higher amount of insulin to do the same thing. And so people develop insulin resistance, and that's what type 2 diabetes is, and that's how people develop it. But uh, that's really on the uptick. Uh, the, yeah, it really is. Yeah, culture. It, it really is. Um, this is uh, this is a really unusual segue to make, but I didn't want to get past the first segment without also mentioning the other thing that we found in our research for today's show, uh, which is, I, I'm not sure what this, oh, I know why, because we are today going to be talking about the difference between being a compassionate conservative right. and a communist. Right. Uh, because I'm assuming, and I'm learning from you on this, there is a difference. <laughs> There's a significant difference. So yes. that's good. So that's, <laughs> we already learned something in segment one. Uh, and so in research, uh, mom, who, uh, mom, if you're me, uh, wife, if it's, uh, if you're talking to my dad, uh, she, she did the research for today and uh, found this factoid, uh, Vladimir Putin's paternal grandfather was a cook for both Lenin and Joseph Stalin. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I thought that was really, I really... I just think that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that is a pedigree A right little there. bit scary. A little bit scary. A little bit scary. He, 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 he cooked exclusively using a hammer and sickle. <laughs> it was only tools. <laughs> and he would take the ingredients and spread them evenly. That's right. For all of the things. Everything Sprinkled just looked the same. Sprinkled with vodka. And then he would pour some vodka in there. <laughs> And that's why he refused to cook it, because that gets rid of all the alcohol. <laughs> that's not the way. That's right. <laughs> and so uh, mm. I also kind of wonder, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't strike me as uh, beyond, beyond believing that maybe Putin uh, massaged that fact a little bit. Yeah. It seems like, uh, seems like the type of thing where he would also be like, also, I go and ride bears on the weekends. Uh, <laughs> I was first, first man on the moon as well. Uh, it just, I don't know. It seems, it seems like such a coincidence, really, yeah. because he was, Putin just started off as a, he was just a really, he was really good at it, but he's just a really good KGB 
uh, in officer. Yeah. And, uh, but he, I guess he just happened to have a grandfather who was just a heck of a chef. <laughs> That's right. A, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure where to go with that. Uh, it was enough that Stalin was like, I want the man. I want, I want linens guy. <laughs> Those lentils <laughs> were good. I don't, I don't know what you ate in 1920s Russia. I'm not really sure what, <laughs> not sure what, either. what the food was. It's because it, I think they probably didn't have a lot of like French, you know, he, French cuisine. This, this, this brings up, though, something as uh, an interesting point that I think will be germane later in the program. Um, we still live in a day, you know, with with the rise of the um, dictators. You can tr- you can trace all the way back through history these totalitarian um, dictators who were um, almost inhumane. I mean, they were inhumane. Uh, I was but, like, that's generous. Yeah. I know, exactly. <laughs> I know. But when, when you talk about um, Stalin and Hitler and, and, and you Pol know, Pot. Pol Pot and all of these guys, um, we have more recent and civilized um, strongmen um, that don't think twice about keeping their population under control with inhumanitarian means. Um, but th- there's a huge tilt, you know, that we want strong leadership mm-hmm. and that will ignore, um, um, s- many things in order to have strong leadership because strong leadership is what makes you feel secure. Hmm. Um, the, there's a, there's a inverse ratio between freedom and security. Hmm. The more freedom you have, the less secure you feel. And the more, um, security you have, the less freedom you have. Hmm. Um, and so, um, I think, I think the world is still trying, kind of trying to find its, its balance between freedom and security. And, uh, and I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's going to be, that's really that's fascinating. Um, so we're going to, we got to go to a break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about that balance. Welcome back to the bright side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Joel Hunter, and I'm here with my dad, Joel Hunter. Hello. And uh, he has a doctorate, well, like eight of them, in in different uh, fields of of learning about uh, kind of how the world works and how to help people best. And uh, basically, for an expert on compassionate conservatism uh, and whether that's a good thing or whether it's Stinks, uh, or and if it's if it's communism, if you missed last segment, which uh, many of you did, and that's okay, uh, it's not communism. That's what we learned last. I learned that from him. Uh, so today, the topic is that idea: compassionate conservatism. And I remember it was a it was a real hot buzzword for a while. People kind of liked yeah. the idea of mm-hmm. it. Then it kind of like went away or fell out of favor, or yeah. people thought it was like a, a disguise for something nefarious. Exactly. Um, uh, what What's the general idea of? I mean, well, what does it mean? Yeah. Thank you, Joel, and and thank you for um, allowing me to have this particular program. The reason I wanted to have it uh, on this topic, and I realize this is not the strong suit of a physician like yourself, um, <laughs> but but you're very well read, and so you'll understand. When anytime we have a show about helping people, um, it, the natural question comes up, well, are you just enabling people? Are you mm-hmm. enabling laziness? Are you trying to make a world where there are no differences, where hard work doesn't count? And, um, um, uh, you know, yes, we should 
help those in genuine need, but how can you tell that they're in genuine need and so on and so forth? So I've spent um, several decades now um, talking about the difference between um, a an accurate and helpful compassion and the kind of uh, help that promises to make everything equal, and it never does. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it results in a lot of control. Um, and as I've traveled around the world, you know, uh, China is an, uh, an infamous uh, example. I love the Chinese people. I love the Chinese culture. I can just vouch for you there. I, You've said that even off the air. I That's, really do. You have Chinese-looking stuff. Uh, in your bedroom. I've <laughs> That's seen it. right. I do. Uh, and, and I have so many good friends in, in China. Uh, but they, are, they have the brand of communism that is trying to accommodate um, the, a capitalist, um, well, a, 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 a more, um, um, more capitalist approach or more um, self-generating um, income approach but by the same token, you see this reassertion of control, mm-hmm. um, and even from the Christian Church, um, you know, they they say we want uh, the kind of Christianity that um, Karl Marx would approve. <laughs> I'm thinking, now what kind is that? You know, because Karl, he didn't believe in God. Karl Marx is like, did you read my book? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, so, and so they're trying to walk this fine line. And so the reason I want to talk about it today is because some people say that the original Christianity was a form of con- communism uh, because it says in Acts chapter 2 that they held all things in common and, mm-hmm. and, and gave to any as had need. What they miss is communism of, is a form of government, mm-hmm. uh, but compassion is voluntary. And that's what the original the original scriptures w- simply said, you know, we love each other enough and we don't need a lot of worldly stuff. And so if you've got a need, let me know. I'll sell something and I'll make sure, I'll make sure your, your need gets met. Um, and so... That's that. That's what I want um, when it comes to how do we rebuild our communities? Uh, people who are good-hearted enough to um, come out of their strength. Now I'm looking at you, Joel, and you, you're building up a tremendous practice at Hunter Vision that um, that is is initially largely beholding to the fact that you studied so hard for so many years to be able to do a technique better than, you know, a very few other people in the country. Um, I mean, you, um, I mean, when you started out, it was LASIK, um, which remind me now, LASIK reshapes the cornea, reshapes the cornea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Okay. But then it went on to the IOL. Is that the lens replacement you guys do? Uh-huh. And, and, and so... Um, it's a it's a fairly involved surgery where, remind me again, everybody's, as we get older. As you get older, the lens inside your eye naturally gets cloudier. And so at a certain point, it makes more sense to replace that lens with one that actually has the right amount of focusing power. So you don't need glasses. Okay. Point, yeah. Okay. So, and so it started out with your, your clientele was a lot of young, younger people like yourself mm-hmm. with the LASIK because that, that works best on them. 
as 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 you graduate into my uh, my years, um, the lens replacement replacement works the same. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, is the way to go. But here's the the point. The point is that how many years were you in school? Uh, I think it was thirteen after high school. Okay, thirteen after high school, and putting grueling hours mm-hmm. so that you could have a skill to help people. Um, and so when I say to you, well, Joel, everybody ought to make your same amount of money, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, it's, they're just, they're, they're as valuable as you are. And you know what I said? I was like, I can't hear you. I'm pulling up the ladder behind me <laughs> so that none may climb it. <laughs> Stay down there, rabble. <laughs> well, the, the point is... But I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. like that, that, that hits people in a way that's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I know. I work so hard for this. And don't I deserve some of the some of the results of my hard work? Um, and and my answer to that would be absolutely. Um, and that it's a disincentive for hard work for everybody to get the same equal uh, equal benefits. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because I feel like it's it's a topic you can speak with a fair amount of authority. What lets you know? What is our metric to know this was? useful, uh, enabling in a good way, enabling somebody to help themselves and, and to, and to get something they, they couldn't do it on their own because they needed an opportunity, but an opportunity was what they needed. Right. And so that's, that's what they did. What's, what's to distinguish that from people that say, ha ha, just kidding. I was lazy all along. And then they, as they run away with your cell phone, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what's, what's the, what's the difference? Is there like a, a specific way that you measure that? Because I would imagine with what you're talking about, it's very, very important to figure out the difference between, you know, you always talk about that um, helping in a it way is. that hurts, you it know? Um, so what, what, what are the home are the, the markers for that? I guess? Exactly. And, and, and one of the reasons that I, that I wanted to talk about conf, uh, compassionate conservatism um, is that um, when I was, I, w- I was kind of on the outskirts of, of president Bush's administration um, and then went on to to be helpful um, in the Obama administration, um, but said, some of the main joke. <laughs> I need a compassionate <laughs> conservative. <laughs> well, some of the some of the main thinkers, you know, of the Bush administration, uh, Mike Gerson. He's still around. Michael Gerson. He's he's uh, he was one of the main authors of compassionate conservatism. But it was never about giving everybody yeah, um, um, equal goods. It was always about helping people to be empowered to live the full life of, of uh, um, doing what they could for themselves and for the others around them. And that's, that's the healthy point. And so when we come back, um, I'd be glad to kind of outline yeah, how we can tell. Because that's one of the things I want to ask you about, because I know that uh, Paul Krugman, who's a, he's a, he's a, uh, very, very liberal fella, uh, but also a genius. Uh, mm-hmm. And and uh, not they don't they don't just hand away those Nobel prizes. Uh, and uh, and so I wanted to I wanted to get your take on what he said about that. That it's just it's a it's a code it's a dog whistle it's a it's a code word code wording for uh, uh, hey go help yourself. Uh, that it's there's no there's no compassion about it. It's just saying saying giving people opportunities is the same as saying hey do it on your own. Uh, but I know that that's not what you're saying. So uh, when we get back from this break, we're going to go through and discuss uh, what uh, that actually means to be a compassionate conservative. 
Uh, and uh, and what is a dog whistle when we return? <laughs> Welcome back to the Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Today we are talking with host and guest Dr. Joel Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, it's hard to find an uh, ex- an expert who knows more broadly and more in more depth the subject that we're talking about which is compassionate conservatism and whether or not it's something that is uh, at its uh, worst uh, communism, uh, or at its other worse, a, a fake uh, phrase that just says the way that Republicans would say, hey, go help yourselves. You don't, you know, I did it on my own. You should do it on your own. Uh, but I'm being compassionate about it, but go do your own thing. Uh, because I was saying before the break that Paul Krugman, who's a pretty respected economist by, by most people, I think even people that disagree with him respect him um, <clears throat> because he, you know, Right, so the New York Times, that's a, that's a big deal yeah. for most people. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, he talked about it as a dog whistle. Oh, and I, before the break, I said I would, what is a dog whistle? A dog whistle, very high-pitched. So you're not supposed to be able to hear it if you're a human. However, I can, but I'm not sure what that can means. Can you really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, 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 also, when the full moon comes out, I feel <laughs> a little funny. <laughs> And I wake up the next morning, toe, clothes torn, confused in the woods. Uh, anyway, the dog whistle is something you, that generally humans can't hear uh, and uh, dogs can. And so a dog whistle has become a phrase for, hey, if we say this thing, um, no one will hear what we're actually saying, which is, um, this is coarse, but uh, screw the poor. I mean, that's the general idea uh, behind a lot of uh, agenda out there, um, and or at least what people would, uh, um, in their worst moments, say, yeah, you know, I mean, in general, yeah, I was poor and I got out of it, so they can too. Um, How is it different? I mean, because it's 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 people either call it communism or say it's a fake thing. It can't be both, uh, and it's probably neither. Well, when you're when you're trying to help the vulnerable of your of your own community, um, there is a constant um, dissonance or or tension. Uh, between helping people in a way that makes them more dependent uh, or helping people in a way that actually makes them more independent. Um, and, and so um, one of the things that I, I've always loved the phrase compassionate conservative, George W. Bush, by the way, said, it is compassionate to actively help our citizens in need. It is conservative to insist on accountability and results. Mm. And I think that's the, that's a great balance. And so, what we have to what we have to do is when you say how can you tell what are the markers uh, of somebody who is actually getting better with help instead of getting more entitled and more I'm um, just gaming the system and so on and so forth there is no sure way to do that especially not by a government system um, then then there's no other way to do that than actually know the family or the person per se. Hmm. And that's the problem with government uh, with government um, uh, programs is government programs um, largely dispense um, um, resources that can be used in constructive ways and I'm and I'm grateful for the government programs we have. The problem is that they don't, they, they're not personalized. They're, they're, there's, there's some general markers that, you know, you have to have looked for a job. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have proved that you were unable um, to 
either get a job or you're unable to work or whatever by by some markers that everybody can pick up and kind of kind of fake, mm-hmm. you know. Um, um, so so they're not terribly good at accountability, and and that's why um, to to really be in the whole compassionate conservative business, you have to devise a system where you're actually paying attention family by family or person by person. Gotcha. So if you're just tuning in, uh, this you've you've tuned into the bright side, and we're talking with uh, the guy who who runs the show here. This is <laughs> no, I don't. Dr. Joel C. Hunter. <laughs> And uh, his words law around these offices. <laughs> but we're talking to him about the idea of compassionate conservatism and uh, um, how it's it's kind of gotten a black eye over time because it's uh, it's it's been used to say actually no that's secretly not compassionate at all and then no that's secretly not conservative at all. But what you were just saying is it's part of the reason for that confusion and and, and difficulty in in defining it uh, or having it look like what it should be is it's not necessarily something that should be happening at the government level anyway, or it shouldn't be determined at the government level. Well, it shouldn't be left at the government level. Okay. The government level is, 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 is um, important because it redistributes tax dollars to citizens in need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that level is important, but it can't be left off at that level because the government needs to also engage community partners, and this is what George Bush established uh, in the, the faith-based um, uh, partnerships in his administration, and, and President Obama and President Trump have continued those. Uh, President, um, uh, the community um, um, uh, and neighborhood partnerships. Um, now, what are those? For faith-based organizations. They are the government saying to faith-based organizations, if you can help us administer some of these funds with the families that you will know and you keep track of, I see. Then, then that's a good way to make sure that these, these funds are vetted in communities and in relationships rather than just in, in, personal, in personal distribution. So, so th- that's why it's, it's important you know, we can see the huge um, uh, programs that that really helped. Uh, President Bush had the AIDS um, uh, PETFAR, the uh, President's Emergency Relief um, for AIDS uh, or, or Emergency Fund for AIDS Relief, uh, saved like uh, um, documentable um, twelve or sixteen million lives wow. in in yeah. Africa. Um, that was a compassionate thing to do because mm-hmm. you're you're saving life, um, but again, it's not enough. And so, uh, what is important is that we not go to the system where you just dole out money to anybody who can work the system. Um, what is important is that we strategically um, um, enable communities, both with government aid and non government aid to work together to help the families that really will work. And that's, and that's, those are the people we work with. So when you were talking about the difference between communism and what people read about in the New Testament, because you're absolutely right. When you read the New Testament, you're like, well, it sounds a lot like communism. Everybody brought their stuff in and then they gave to whoever needed it. Um, And uh, I mean, it left out the gulags and stuff. That's, that's, that's not in there at all, but that's because it's, you're saying it's not really communism because that's, 
Communism is a government compelling you to exactly. do it. Exactly. And and what we see in the New Testament and, and the thing that you feel like really works more is is the is the heart and mind behind that. You know, the the idea that people want to help. Exactly. What how do you how do you get there? Because I think we can agree it's it's unlikely that everyone will be like Great, we're all going to become Christians that believe the same exact things about the Bible. Because right. even people that are already Christians can't right. find two that think the same thing about the Bible. Right. Um, and so, knowing that there's going to be there's going to continue to be Christians and atheists and Muslims and Jewish right. and right. Uh, other religions, I'm leaving out. Sorry, uh, Buddhist is yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Zoroastrianism. It, it just every every different kind of uh, creed. How do you? find a way for everybody to get on the same page with that? Because it, it's, is it something that uh, it's, it doesn't seem exclusive to religion. It seems right. like people want to help. Right. Is that, is that something where, is there a centralized thing that looks like church, but isn't church or yeah. like, what is that? Well, this is a, that's a really good question. And um, we may not, it may not all fit into this segment. As a matter of fact, it won't. Yeah, we have one minute sign. Yeah. <laughs> so as a, as a preface to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A preface. I just got back from Cuba. And and um, and in Cuba, you have two things that are very apparent. Number one, the poorest person out in the in the boonies has enough food and electricity, hmm. but um, in the in the uh, but there is no real freedom. Twenty four hours a day on the media, it's propaganda. Hmm. It is how you know how there's you know there's. All these hungry people in the in the world, but not one of them in Cuba. Mm. And your government is the best thing since sliced bread, and so on and so forth. There's no you can't have freedom of the media there. You can't have freedom of the press there. And and so what we've got to do after after the break is we have to figure out okay how do we remain free but yet help people in real need. That is worth. Sticking around for, uh, I'd say. I'm going to be here for it. We're, we're going to talk about how to do that after this break. Well, welcome back to The Bright Side here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Today, our guest, special guest, <laughs> is the host of the show, Dr. Joel C. Hunter. <laughs> yes, we're talking about compassionate conservatism, uh, a phrase first widely popularized by uh, George W. Bush, who uh, said, uh, we got to be compassionate and conservative. That's pretty good, <laughs> pretty right? Pretty good. Thank All you. right. <laughs> um, people need to put food on their families. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we're talk- uh, pop before the <laughs> before the break you had said you had said that you know uh no one in Cuba is hungry uh and no one in Cuba is free and the and the goal is to figure out a way to actually have freedom yeah. and and actually make sure that those in need get the help that they need and and that seems like such an incredibly difficult thing to do. Uh, will you solve that for us right now? <laughs> what, what's the pathway there? Well, there is a pathway there, and and it's part of what we're doing right now. Um, it's to it's to change not political um, parties or not win elections. Um, it is to change culture. Um, this country has a DNA 
of helping the the ones that have been left out, helping the underdog. You know, we were underdogs. That's mm-hmm. who started the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's in our DNA for us to help, literally help our neighbors, um, because that was the Puritan society. The Puritan society was arranged, or the original, and the Pilgrim Society and, and the other societies that came around um, the the villages and the and the cities, um, basically um, punished laziness. <laughs> they saw it, and they'd, if you were being lazy, they'd put you in a stockade. Yeah, um, because they knew you had the capability of working, and you weren't working, and so they knew people well enough to punish laziness. Um, uh, and reward um, um, industrious and in, industriousness, but to help those who were genu- genuinely in need. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody in in any kind of village with any kind of um, community um, ever died because they starved to death. You know, um, it was because. Um, um, and I mean, that, unless everyone was starving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and that was because. Um, we knew what it was to be good neighbors. That's where we can get to again. Um, if we change the culture into a mass movement of saying, um, you know, I, I, want, I just want to help somebody. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can help, but I, but I want to know the people I help, or I want to e- at least know the person who knows them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that um, it's helping them become stronger and not more dependent. And so, and so that's that's kind of what we're going for right now. I, I think that um, it is it is not only possible, um, it is it is necessary. There's a there's a there's a sense that um, it it's it's an overwhelming and impossible task. It was you know I think it was uh, the humorist Will Rogers that uh, spoke to the U-boat problem, the submarine problem in World War One. Uh, that said, hey, I've, I've got the answer to the to the submarine problem, you know, that's shooting all our ships. Um, and somebody said, um, well, you know, what's the answer? And he said, boil the ocean. And then they all got to come to the top. And and, and, somebody, <laughs> Will Rogers. And, and somebody else said, how do you boil the ocean? He said, look, I've given you the answer. You work out the details. <laughs> and so and so when when we talk about changing the culture so that everybody will feel a responsibility to help. Um, um, that seems like a, almost a gargantuan and impossible task when it comes to the details, but it's not. I, I believe that we're close enough to people of good faith and goodwill just doing their part to help um, that we really can know the families in our community. We can personally help them when they need it, and personally not help them when they don't. You know, one of the interesting things that you said, uh, and if you're just tuning in and catching the tail end of this, this uh, you're listening to The Bright Side, and we're talking to my dad, uh, Dr. Joel C. Hunter. Uh, we, we both are always here, uh, but he's, uh, he's somebody who's, who's spent a lifetime kind of um, chasing this cause and, and perfecting what, what it means uh, of, of compassionate conservatism and, and the idea of how do you how do you have the benefits of everyone has enough uh, and everyone has opportunity without losing freedom, you know, like, like you have in communist countries. Um, and uh, one of the most helpful things that you said to me, and this was, this was a while back uh, and he might've even said it to one of our guests on the show and I was just eavesdropping. It was that there's the, there is such a thing as a cultural shift because we watched it happen with 
littering, and we watched it happen with smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not long ago. I mean, it was within my lifetime where there was like, there was a, just a part of the restaurant where people sat and smoked and it was right next to the part where no one was allowed to smoke, which was <laughs> super weird. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and that was accepted. There was, there was little machines where there was cigarette vending machines everywhere. And, right. um, and you could buy them if you were 15, as long as you had a dollar. And it, uh, and then with littering, same thing. It was not a big deal to throw a trash out. And now, except for a really small and increasingly isolated segment of the population, um, it's you're a disgusting person if you just throw your trash out the window. Nobody exactly. would ever do it. Yeah. Uh, and and people, you know, there are people who still smoke, but um, even the people who smoke still, very few people are like, ah, smoking, I'm proud of it, you know, and yeah. I'm going to smoke in your baby's face uh, <laughs> uh, back like it was in the 60s. And, uh, and so... Uh, what do you think, uh, and this this would really just kind of take us home here because we, we've only got about three minutes left, but what do you think is is necessary for that cultural conversation to thrive, for that for that to change, for something that I think pretty much everybody would want if they thought it was possible, yeah. but uh, but – you know, we learn to boil the oceans with climate change. How do I'm just kidding? If you're just listening, <laughs> uh, it's a joke. It's just a joke. Uh, so, uh, but but unfortunately, how, <laughs> it's not just a joke. But go ahead. They're not boiling though. <laughs> they're they're it, there's ice cap problems. Anyway, the um, the uh, but how do you uh, how do you do that? I mean, what what's yeah. what's the necessary thing to, to makes it bite size more? Well, thanks for for the. Softball. Um, there, there are three things that are. That's a. That's how much you know about this. That's not a softball. <laughs> that's a really hard one. But go ahead. There are three things that are necessary. Number one, people have to be really sick of the problem. You know, when I I grew up, when when every highway just looked like a trash bin, mm. and you just think you, you it just turned you turned your stomach. So you were ready to not do that anymore. Number two. There was a voice um, that everybody respected, Lady Bird, Lady Bird Johnson. Oh, yeah, how about she, that? She, she came out with a "Let's Beautify America," and and it was it was a voice that was central enough and respected enough that it 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 kind of those people with that were frustrated had someplace to go, you know. And then number three, in in this case, there needs to be some sort of system where people can actually help. And know that their efforts are making a difference, and we're building that right now. Um, and you'll hear more about that later. Um, but but help is on the way. Um, and so the very the three things are: you got to be sick of it, you got to have leadership, and you got to have a system where you know you're making a difference. So I never would have guessed until that moment. I did not realize. Lady Bird Johnson was responsible. She was for that. I don't want to derail us on that, but I thought that was a very fascinating factoid. Um, and uh, and Pop, I don't want to. I don't. I know you get embarrassed with big compliments, but you're you're like our Lady Bird Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, you're, but you really are uh, a a voice. I mean, I, I I know what you're doing, and it's something I'm really excited to be a part of 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 creating the conversation and reminding people of what they already know, which is everyone's so sick of. Uh, believing the worst about everybody else and not helping other people. And, and people do want to fix that problem um, and, and building that network and, and a way to continue to, you know, improve that, um, you know, it's, it's going to be continuing to grow, but the community resource network is, is, you know, the way that that's uh, it's in its kind of a, uh, 
I'd say it's beyond embryonic. It's in the fetal stages now of, of growth, and it's going to be something that's going to grow. And, and, and I know it's going to be this nationwide thing, and, and it's really exciting. Thank you. So um, for uh, the rest of us who are not Lady Bird Johnson, um, we all are excited to take part in, uh, in this change, you know, and watch it change over time. Uh, if you have any questions about the Community Resource Net- Network like we talked about today, Um, You can go to the website uh, and and call. I don't know the number, but it's on the website. Uh, But thank you for listening today and uh, and hopefully learning a little bit more about a way to be compassionate and not a communist uh, because you don't have to be both. We'll see you next time here on The Bright Side. 